Father, we thank you for this morning. We ask that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son, Jesus. Teach us your ways. That we may align ourselves to your will and your purposes for our lives. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was preparing for the final session for um, spiritual dryness, the Lord said that teaching is over. It has done the justice it needs to serve. And the Lord picked point something very crucial that he asked me to share with you. As I was praying. Like I've, I've always been saying, for the next 20 years, every single Sunday, I know I have a message to preach. But you see, we always need to make sure that we are walking by the Spirit. It's very important. We need to hear from God the right message to minister to the people of God. Now this year, um, our theme is our year of what? Building and rebuilding. So I realized that almost all the teachings God has given to us is centered on building and rebuilding people's lives. Have you realized that? So this year, you've not really had so much of um, the love of God, the grace of God, though we say that in almost every teaching that we do, but the Lord is giving us a certain focus because there is something He wants to align in our spiritual lives. And when God focuses on something, that means that He wants to help someone out. Hallelujah. Are you done with the sharing? Okay, so you've got to pay attention now. So I'm teaching on, um, it's not entirely new because we, we did that, that was last two weeks. But this is a, a full message, which, which is actually a, a build up into it. We're going to continue in about two or three teachings more. I'm teaching on the battle for purity. The, the battle for purity. The battle for purity. This is a very important message that I believe will, will guide us as a church. The battle for purity. Hallelujah. Now, many Christians have not realized that walking in purity is a battle. It's a holy war. I've explained something to you that was a week ago, but I've always been telling you that repetition is the key to what? Understanding. We have explained that in 1 Timothy chapter, sorry, Titus chapter 2, the verse 11, the Bible tells us that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men is, is speaking of the world. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's the grace of God. The message of God's grace. The one that brings salvation has appeared to how many men? All men. 
then when you read the verse 12, it says something different. He says, teaching who? The first was for who? The world. Then he says, teaching us. So, grace produces salvation in all men. But when those men are saved, now grace begins to teach them. Are you following this thing? So he says, teaching us that, what does grace teach us? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Then he says, we should live what? Soberly. That means self-controlled lives. A man who is sober is a man who is self-controlled. He's balanced. Then he says, righteously and godly when Jesus appears in this one present world. Now give that to me in NLT. Then we see something good there. He says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed. So God's grace does not only produce salvation in men. Those men who experience salvation by the grace of God are now taught by that same grace. Then he says they are instructed to turn from godless living. So we need to understand that grace has a goal. You are not set free to live for yourself. That armed robber who got born again and got saved is not saved to continue with armed robbery. That, that was not grace. Grace has a goal. The goal of grace is transformation. So salvation becomes the means transformation becomes the end. Follow? So you are not saved for you. You are not saved to satisfy yourself. It was never the intended way God made salvation. So he says that and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sin for what? Pleasures. We should live in this evil world with what? wisdom, righteousness, and what? Devotion to God. So, grace saved you from devotion to sin to devotion to God. So, if your ultimate devotion is not on God, it was not grace you met. So, today, what we have many people calling us grace message is actually a pseudo-grace. It's a grace that does not produce real transforming power in people. Listen, grace is not only a divine disposition to pardon you for sin. Grace is also a divine power which works in you to obey God's instructions. Write that down. Grace is not only a divine power, it's not only a divine disposition that pardons you from sin. It is also a divine power that works in us to do all that God requires of us. 
This is a very important foundation that I'm laying. Let me repeat that again. Grace or the love of God or the goodness of God is not just a divine disposition to pardon a man from sin. Grace is also a divine power that works in that same man or that works in us to do all that God requires of us. So grace doesn't just declare you righteous. I am righteous by faith in Christ. Yes, I'm righteous. So why are you righteous? Righteous for what? Why are you made holy? Holy for what? So that is a divine disposition. That's what saves you. You didn't do anything. You just believed. You were made born again. But you need to understand this reality that that grace also now becomes a power inside you that enables you to do all what God expects from you as a Christian. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, the verse 12, he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, notice the Bible didn't say in Philippians chapter 2, the verse 12, to work for our salvation. This is when people get it wrong. Sometimes I hear some law preachers preach and say, the Bible says, work out your salvation. That means if you don't work your salvation, you go to hell. That's not what the scripture is saying. Look, he says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. People quote this scripture as saying that you have to work for your salvation. We can't work for our salvation. Someone worked for our salvation. We are to work out our salvation. There's a big difference. To work for means you must use every effort necessary to be able to stay to, to be able to be saved. Can you stay saved by yourself? No. For by grace are we saved only through faith. So grace is the hand that gives, faith is the hand that receives. So we are what we are by the grace of God. We are saved because someone did the work of salvation and we only believed and entered into that reality. Are you following this? But the scripture is not saying work for your salvation because you can do that. Jesus did that. Rather, it says you work out. Work out means to bring out. It means to produce. If I give you an equation and I write x squared divided by y squared is equal to 10. Work out the equation. What am I saying? I gave you the equation. But it is your responsibility to derive an answer why it was equal to 10. You are to derive at the means by which x squared divided by y squared resulted in that 10. You must expand it and explain it. So you are the explanation of true salvation. You don't get this thing. <laughs> so if people want to see what it means to be saved, you are the one that works it out. They say, oh, so this is how a saved man behaves. By how you laugh, they're like, ah, oh, okay, this is salvation, this is salvation. That's when you are working it out. 
But in the process of producing and bringing out that salvation, never think you are the one when you are walking in holiness. Never think you are the one doing it. And yet, never think God is the only one doing it. How do I know this? Look at verse 30. That's what people miss. So today, you are able to pray three hours. It is grace. Though it involves some level of discipline, it was still the grace of God. Because you can get to a place where you begin to practice some of these things. You walk in holiness. First, you couldn't resist certain temptations. Now you're able to resist it. Now you can get to a point where you think you are the one making it happen. You are the one calling the shots. That's when you begin coming down. So he says, for it is God, just to remind you, which what? Work it in you. So the thing you are bringing out, somebody is working in that engine room. It is God which worketh in you, both to will. So the will to even overcome that sin was produced by God. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Today, if you are walking in purity, walking in holiness, it is God's pleasure. But the will and ability to do comes from God. Yet, it does not entirely rest on God. So, this thing is a very dicey thing. We need to be careful. So that we don't place all responsibility on God. Then we also, or we place all responsibility on us. When all the responsibility is on you and you think you are the one who must do it by your strength, we call that legalism. And when you think all must be on God, I won't do anything. God in his own time, you make me live holy. That one is also called liberalism. So both legalism, willpower, and liberalism, let me wait for God to do it, are both extreme errors. What God expects is human effort depending on God. You are deciding to pray and ah, yet you are depending on God's strength to quicken you. You are fleeing fornication, yet you are depending on God's strength to be the empowerment that makes you do it effortlessly. That's the divine life by which you have been called to. But, but we need to understand like I said in Titus 2.11, there is the first work of grace. The first thing grace does to you is to produce salvation in you. Then there is the second work of grace. He says teaching us that, denying ungodliness. That means the second work of grace in a man is to bring him transformation. Follow. The first work of grace produces what? salvation. The second work of grace produces what? Transformation. So you got born again in a split second when you believe Jesus Christ. Boom! You are born again. For the rest of your life, you enter into the reality of the second work of grace where now grace becomes a teacher, a guide through the scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through pastors, through teachers, through teachings, through audios, through prayer. All these things become a way God uses to work in you to produce transformation that you will look more like Jesus. Please, are you following this thing? So many get to the place where they only depend on the first work of grace. I didn't do anything to be saved. Therefore, I don't do anything again in, the, in, the, in, the, in my Christian life. Everything is depending on God. God must flee for me. God must fast for me. Because Christ has finished the work. That means it is finished. 
It's wrong. If you read this New Testament carefully, there are three realities. The first reality is the finished work of Christ. The second reality is the ongoing work of Christ. The third reality is the future work of Christ. Please don't forget this. The finished work of Christ is what Christ did for you without you. Salvation, he did it for you without you. Righteousness, he did it for you without you. Redemption, he did it for you without you. Forgiveness, he did it for you without you. Justification, he did it for you without you. You didn't contribute anything to become a justified man. You only believed you entered into reality. That's the finished work of Christ. He did it alone. Finished it. But listen to me. If you are only rejoicing about the finished work of Christ, that Christ died for me. He made me righteous. I'm a son of God. I'm seated together with Christ. I am justified. You cannot be rejoicing on only that reality. Are you following this thing? It was a means to an end. Because remember, God had an ultimate goal. His ultimate goal for man was for man to bring him glory. But unfortunately, sin brought an interruption. And because sin brought an interruption, there was a barrier. So what Jesus came to do was to take the barrier from there and give you all the weapons you need so that you can accomplish God's ultimate purpose for your life. So, the moment you start carrying all the treasures of redemption and you only use that as, oh, I'm, I'm saved though. I'm righteous though. You are using the finished work as a toy, not as a tool. I'm teaching good here. So, there is an ongoing work of Christ. Why did Jesus, after finishing the work, went to heaven and sent the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus cannot go around to everybody's house to change him. So by the spirit, Jesus now abides in everybody. That now the Holy Ghost becomes a helper to be able to bring us to the place of what we call maturity and perfection in Christ. So you are not yet perfected morally. But you have been perfected spiritually in what? By one offering, we were perfected once and for all. This is a reality on the inside. But look at your life. You now you know you are not perfect. It's an ongoing reality. We call it the ongoing work of Christ. He's doing it by the Holy Spirit. You realize you have a bad character, but you are born again. So now the Holy Spirit is going to use the word of God. The Holy Spirit is going to use prayer. The Holy Spirit is going to use pastors, apostles, teachers, evangelists. To perfect you. Now, you see that in Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 11. The Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What is the reason for giving this? For the perfecting of the saints. Catatismos, which means for the furnishing of the saints. You can build a house and the house is not yet finished. But if your house is not finished, you, you cannot technically move in. When uh, the tab is not flowing, uh, you, you have not constructed the bathroom well, you can't you can enjoy the house. So God gave us these people to become spiritual plumbers, to finish our house, to get us ready for God. So he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for what? Why are we being perfected? We are perfected so that we will all do the work of ministry. If you go to a church and the pastor is the one man, the one man in charge of everything, that church is operating from a wrong spirit. 
where the pastor becomes the king. Before you do everything, they have to come and bow down to him. Uh, daddy, hey, daddy, we don't know where to go. Daddy, you are a light. That's a wrong spirit. The pastor has been given the gift of pastoring to be able to perfect all of us so that we all can do the work of ministry. Now you can be able to groom somebody. Now you can be able, after you have been equipped in the knowledge of salvation, now you can help someone grow spiritually. That's the goal. That's why I say if you have been in church for five years and you still can't explain salvation, you are a failure. Ah, you saved. You don't know. What is baptism? You don't know. Tell me something about the Holy Spirit. You don't know. Foundations of Christian life. You don't know. So what do you come to church for? It's so sad. If you go to an average church, you ask even a church worker about salvation. They can't tell you. The church worker who has been working in God's house, when you ask him, are you saved? He says, yes. How do you know you are saved? He said, because I'm coming to church and I'm doing church work. It's sad. They don't know anything about salvation. This is not God's intention for us as a church. God wants to perfect for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We will come to know Jesus unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We will all now function exactly like Jesus as a church. I'm so glad because any man of God that comes here, when he leaves, he says, man of God, there is something about your church. When I come here, I see so much love. Everybody is behaving maturely. Last week I was not around. A pastor came here. He called me and said, man of God, even in your absence, the maturity level, I said, that is the goal. That's the goal. To become matured. Anyway, back to my teaching. Walking in purity is a fight. Listen, if I don't tell you this thing, you will not start fighting. And you will always give the victory to the enemy. Haven't you realized that sometimes you, you don't want to do certain things, but the desire grows stronger? The reason why you keep failing is because, first of all, you've not, you've not come to the conclusion that you are always fighting. It's a fight. Now, look at this. Galatians chapter 5, the verse 17. Inasmuch as Jesus destroyed sin, I've explained to you that sin is still working today and is much alive in our members. I explained three realities to you that we have what we call the power of sin. We have the penalty of sin, then we have the presence of sin. When Adam sinned, he was now a slave to sin and he was under the power of sin. So sin now controlled him, dominated him, and sin told him what to do. Then, because he sinned, the wages of sin is dead. He had to pay the penalty for that sin. Then also, because he sinned, now sin was present in his members. This flesh was now contaminated with wrong desires, wrong appetites. And they, they remain as long as you are in this body, this pineapple of flesh. 
when Jesus came to die, he destroyed first of all the power of sin. Then he paid the penalty for your sin by paying the price through his blood. But there is a third thing people have not understood. Jesus did not fully deal with the presence of sin because we are still in this body. This body has appetites. Unfortunately, there are sometimes these appetites are not godly. They tend to begin to please self. So, between now and the coming of Jesus, God has given us an armory. He has given us the spirit. He has given us the word. He has given us spiritual realities so that upon that foundation, we can be able to fight the presence of sin and tame its ability that operates in our members. So you can declare sin's power has been broken over my life. Yet before you realize you are still struggling. Because you need to understand this technicality. This same Paul who gave us the revelation. He says the good I want to do I do not. But the evil I do not want to do that's what I do. That's Paul. He says in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. That's Paul. In Romans chapter 6, the verse 12, Paul tells us, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Look, let not sin reign. That means you can let. If the Bible says let not, that means a believer can let. When the Bible uses the word let, that means you can permit it to happen. That's why he says let not. You need to really understand tenses when you're reading the Bible. He didn't say God. So this is not God. He says let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body. So sin is present in this mortal body. But you can tame it by dethroning it from your life. So sin does not call the shots through your members. I'm teaching good here. That you should what? Obey. What do you obey? What do you obey? You're not following. You're not here. Should I stop the teaching? What do you obey? It lasts. So sin operates today through what? Last, what is last? Desires. So sin is operating through desires. Envy is a last, it operates through desires. Hatred is a last, it operates through desires. Sex is a last, it operates through desires. Overeating is a last, it operates through desires. So sin still finds its ugly head up through our desires. Our desires are not perfect. It's going to be a fight. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. Watch that. He says for the... Give that to me in NLT. So you understand it carefully. Look. He says the sinful nature, that's the flesh. Who wants to do what? Evil. Which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So this is an opposing force. The Holy Ghost is in you, yet the flesh is also in you. And that's the fight. The Holy Ghost wants you to do the will of God. The flesh says, no, you are going to do my will. So, the will of the Holy Spirit and the will of who? Self. These are present in your members every single day till you die. And guess what? Every single day, one of them will win in. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are what? Constantly what? Fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your 
good intentions. So now, when you understand this thing about the fight of purity and lust, you get to realize that these things are enemies. There are two forces operating. The force of the flesh and the force of the spirit. Both of them operate by your permission. Please follow this thing up. They operate by your permission. Unfortunately, God wants his government to govern your life. But the challenge is that he does not govern you by coercion. He governs you by you willingly allowing him to do it. That's the challenge. That's why God can watch you do all kinds of things and he's quietly watching you. He's expecting you. He's not forcing you to do it. Listen, today if you avoid fornication, it is because you love God. It's not because you are afraid of him. That's a wrong motivation. God never forces you to do anything for him. Anything you do for God out of force will not last. There are things you willingly do for him. I won't tell a lie. It's a fight, brother. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. You see that again there. He says, you have not yet resisted unto what? Blood. Striving against sin. NLT. So look, it's a striving. You see, he says, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your what? Your struggle against sin. So, you know, sometimes the message of grace has been pointed that, oh, Christ has dealt with sin already, so now sin is not really an issue with God. Listen, if Jesus came to shed his blood to die for sin, that means sin is still not okay with God. Why would God be okay you doing something he came to die for? Ask yourself that question. I'm teaching good here. So listen to me. There are three enemies you are going to encounter in your life. The first enemy is called the flesh. The second enemy is called the world. The third enemy is called the devil. These three are your enemies. How do I know? God called them enemies. Am I teaching good? So there are several scriptures that speaks to us about walking in purity. What is purity? Purity means to be clean. Clean. It also means to be pure. It also means to be undefiled. Two things I need you to see. There is purity as a finished work. And there is purity as an ongoing work. 
People don't teach this well. So they just keep putting people in fear. You don't walk in purity. Hell is waiting for you. My brother, hell is hot. So the people leave the meeting, all they heard or remember was hell is hot. So they don't have revelation. So they are trying to do something they don't understand. That, that's what is happening to the church. They are trying to do something without weaponry. Listen carefully. I can never teach you to live holy until I've told you you are holy. I can never tell you to live righteously until I've told you that you have received the gift of righteousness. Because knowing what Christ has done is the basis and the foundation for Christian living. So Apostle Paul will use almost first three chapters to explain doctrine to establish the believer in the faith. Then he uses the next chapters to talk, talk about instruction to tell you what you're supposed to be doing in the faith. Until you are rooted in what Christ has done, you cannot produce the fruit of what Christ expects from you. Nobody can live a holy life by himself. I am telling you, try it. So we have people, a bunch of people who are using willpower to stop masturbating. It is not I will not do it again. There is a power. And that power is first rooted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He broke sin's power over your life by the cross. When he died, the Bible says you died. You must see yourself dead first before you can die to sin. I am crucified with Christ. That means I've been crucified to sin's power. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But the what? Christ lives in me. So now you must now remember that Christ is living his life through you. Therefore, I must be responsible. This life I'm living is Christ. If you don't have this revelation first, you try to do things in your own effort and you will keep failing. I've seen people who have tried to overcome all kinds of uh, sexual misconducts and they are trying to use willpower. This time, I won't do it. This time, Lord, I promise you. And God is just watching you like this. 31st December promise. Lord, eh, I swear. Many one on record is here. I promise, Lord, I will pray three hours a day. Lord, I will. Look at your words. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. That's your problem. You make all those big, big promises. You even go ahead to write a note and sign. I won't do it. Lord, I won't do it. Willpower. First January. You're on fire. Lord, I promise you last year. Check how far I'm going. 3rd January, you're on fire. 15th January, you're fasting and praying. Everything is go going. You're on, you're on cruise. You were on time bomb. We were just waiting for you. 14 February. Ekikimi. Before you realize, you are gone. From 14 February to 31st December, you messed up your life and you come and say, Lord, as I came last year, I'm here again. <laughs> so it's like your life goes merry-go-round because every time it's your promises. Every time it's I will. 
You never trust in the grace of God. Nobody can break out of addiction except by the grace of God. That's the first thing. Yet no one can also break completely out of addiction without maintaining spiritual disciplines. So it's the grace of God with hard work. What's the hard work? Spiritual discipline. That's what, that's what I'm teaching the battle for purity. This thing is a fight. You must win that fight. Let me give you some cautions. First caution you must understand is that last is intelligent. Last is intelligent because it thrives on your appetites and desires of the flesh. Last knows your appetite. So it is very intelligent. It uses the frequency of your brain capacity to furnish you with thoughts on how to do ungodly things. Are you getting this thing? Last is intelligent. It thrives on your appetite. It uses the things you love. It studies your, your pattern. The desires that are in your flesh. Then now it uses your, the frequency of your brain. It gives you ideas. Last can give you ideas. If there's no soap for masturbation, last will tell you liquid soap. <laughs> if liquid soap does not work, last will tell you, um, your sister's styling gel. If that one doesn't work, last will tell you your mother's anointing oil is in the cupboard, the right side. Open it and see it is there. intelligent. It can tap into your brain capacity and it will give you word of knowledge. Where the evil can thrive. Give you nice ideas. So the next time you are getting ideas for evil, know that last is thriving on you. He's using your brain capacity to work against your own life. The second caution is that last is a tyrant. It wants to be Lord over your life. It wants to use the members of your body to serve self and the devil, not God. Last is wicked. Last is a slave master. If you are a servant to last, I'm sorry for you, you will never be able to do anything on your own. You can be a Christian yet be a slave to last. I'll show you Romans chapter 6, the verse 12. We're going to read from the verse 12 to the verse 22. Now watch this thing carefully. He says, let not, give that to me in NLT version. He says, let not sin reign. That means sin can reign. Let not sin control the way you live. Do not give in to what? So listen, before any sin starts, it begins as a desire. So the moment it begins as a desire, don't give in before it grows. I'm getting someone. I'm going to help you today, right? I'm going to help you. Look, he says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Look, you can be a Christian and still serve sin with the members of your body. He said, instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. 
The next time that idea comes, say my body is an instrument for God's righteousness. I can't serve you. Listen, there's sometimes you have to behave like a madman when you're walking up. Hey, I, I curse you. Come. I won't do it. My body serves God. I am dead to you. I am dead to you, masturbation. I am dead. And people are like, ah. Tell somebody it's a cry. You are addressing this thing. You can't reign over my mortal body again. No. No. You can't take advantage of this body. Mm-mm. It's God's house. Then you are battling. Next. Sin is no longer your master. You have to say it to that desire. Say it over and over. Sin is not my master. Say it. You are quoting the word of God. And the Bible says the word that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. As you are speaking that word, that word becomes spirit and life in your life. And it begins to change that desire. Then last will look at you and say, hey, I feel the about so. Boy, yeah. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Next verse. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Paul says, of course not. Next verse. Then he says, do you realize that you become the slave of whatever you chose to obey? Listen, you chose masturbation. You chose fornication. You chose lies. You chose worldly songs. You chose the nightclub. You chose it. You chose it. Sin suggested it and you chose it. In the New Testament, sin is more of a choice. I'm telling you. The choices you make now becomes a compelling power that controls you. When a choice keeps dominating you for a time, you become a slave to that choice. Follow that. The reason why some people can't stop certain addictions is because they kept obeying it for a long time until now they gain no control now. Now sin has gained every territory in your will. Look, he says you can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Listen, there is nobody on this earth who has ever desired to do what is right, asking God for help, and God will never help him. <laughs> That's the good news. Next verse. He says, thank God, once you were slaves of sin, it is telling you your past. So he's telling you that now you are not a slave to sin. So if you are giving in to sin, you chose to do it. So the first revelation about sin is that you are no longer a slave. Shout it, I am no longer a slave. Oh, you are talking like a slave. Say, I am no longer a slave. You got to shout this desire. Say, I am no longer a slave to sin. Is this working? But now, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given. Are you seeing the power of teaching? Teaching can break an addiction, I'm telling you. Teaching. What I'm doing, I am entering into the innermost recesses of your being. And I'm tempering with things. If you only open your heart, God's word will tame that flesh. 
He says, now you are free from your slavery to sin. And now you have become slaves to righteousness. So now God is telling you, think like a slave to righteousness. I owe God my righteousness. I'm a slave to his righteousness. I, I owe God righteous living. I don't owe sin, sinful living. I owe God righteous living. That's how you must start thinking. I am a slave to righteousness. Anytime wrong thoughts come, I'm a slave to righteousness. Desire to go and masturbate comes, I am a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to righteousness. I don't have a will anymore. My will is directed to God. That's how we fight this thing. Look at the next verse. He says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to even deeper sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you become holy. Am I teaching? So last is a tyrant. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.12. Write that down. NLT version. 1 Corinthians 6.12. NLT. Some of you this week, before you realize you are coming, you are just going to share a testimony. The man of God, I'm free. I'm free. Because listen, what I'm teaching you is spirit. I'm not just quieting words to you. There is spirit in my words. I, I spent time in prayer that the word of God should effectively work in your heart. So it will work. Look, he says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Are you seeing that? There are some of you, it's not everything that is good for you. So don't watch someone and do something that you know is not good for you. He says, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become what? A slave to anything. There is no law that you shouldn't watch a movie. There is no law that you should not sleep for 12 hours. There is no law that you must dress this particular way. But the Bible says not all is good for you. Don't be a slave to what you choose. That's what the Bible is saying. You can become a slave to that which is not sin. When you become a slave, that thing becomes sin. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. In the New Testament, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Three. Purity and lust are enemies at war. They are both fighting for enthronement. So every single day, you must fight to dethrone and enthrone. You don't know that in your Christian life, there are days you can dethrone God from your life and enthrone sin. You don't know. Anytime you give into sin, you have dethroned God as Lord over your life. No, it's your Savior. You have made sin a Lord. You have enthroned sin. That's what happens in a daily battle. Am I helping somebody? James chapter 4, the verse 1 and 2. Look at this thing. It's a wall. This is New Testament. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fight amongst you? Before any quarrel comes outwardly. Look. He says, don't they come from the evil desires at what? War! Within you! See, every external war, World War V, eh? it will come because of the war that begins within I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying it. 
World War I came as a result of the war that came. Two people could not kill that war. They couldn't deal with it. Listen, if you don't deal with the inner war, you will cause external wars. There are some of you who will cause problems for your family. That's an external war. Your children will come and fight a foolish battle you left for them. So he's telling us, first of all, wars begins inwardly. Am I teaching good? Look at the verse 2. He says, you want, you want to, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Look at what is happening in Syria. Look at what is happening in Afghanistan. It is because somebody wants something. So the war is here. Guys, until you have dealt with internal wars inside, you can never stop an external war. If you don't deal with the internal war inside, you will fight with your wife, fight with your husband, and there will be war in the house. Because one party could not deal with the internal war. That anger that boiled was an internal war. First of all, deal with your anger problem. Deal with it first. Because that is the main war. If you don't overcome that war, there will be war. So, every external war begins from what? An internal war. Listen. The first war that begins is internal. I'm teaching you. First Peter chapter 2, the verse 9. First Peter 2, 9. Go and read these scriptures. They are life. Look, he says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now after, look at the verse 10. He says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Now look at the next verse. He first tells them what they are and who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ. Now he says, dear friends, I warn you. So there are warnings in New Testament. Uh, as temporal residents, I and foreigners, listen, you are not a Ghanaian, you are a foreigner. You just came to pass through. That's what the Bible calls you. To keep away from what? Worldly desires. That's what? Against your? <laughs> your soul. Your soul. Your soul. God is after your soul. Satan is after your soul. Both of them are fighting for their soul. will you enthrone? And they are all your daily choices. Listen, your daily choices are where the battlefield is. Your daily choices. Am I helping somebody here? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the verse 3. He says, we are humans. 
but we don't wage war as humans do. Next verse. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false what argument. Next verse. He says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So, the Bible is telling us something. That whatever the devil is doing today is to keep you from knowing God. That's the war. The war is to keep you from knowing God because the more deeper you are in your walk with God, the more freedom you experience. I tell people, listen, if you want to deal with sin, get deeper in God. Simple. Pray more. Fast more. Read the Bible more. Fellowship with believers more. Soon, those appetites will start living naturally. They live. Get deeper. When you get deeper in God, there are some things they leave you. Am I helping you? Number four, quickly. Fight the war intelligently. This is a very important reality. It's a caution. You must fight this war, this, this war for purity. You must fight it. You must be intelligent. Spiritual intelligence is required for every believer. Like I've been teaching you on detecting spiritual dryness. Some are not even intelligent to know that they've not prayed for the past five days and that is not good for them. Anytime I realize, okay, let me just encourage you. When I pray three hours a day, I have sinned. You didn't, did you hear what I said? I'm not talking about you, me. I feel sorry the whole day. I'm not condemned though. I feel sorrowful that I couldn't spend time with my maker. That's three hours. So, that's me, my walk with him. So, anytime I realize there is lukewarmness, because I have spiritual intelligence, I know something is wrong with my spiritual life. I need to go back and get some energy. Many believers are not intelligent. Anything is just happening to their life. They can live for one month, they don't pray, and they are okay. They've not touched their Bible. They've not listened to any teaching. Repetition of this teaching you are hearing. Go to podcast. You won't go. It is free. We are giving messages out for free. Come with pen drive. Come and copy. You won't, you won't copy. <laughs> the day will come. You fight what? Intelligently. Listen, don't tell me God. You are trusting God eh, to help you overcome masturbation. And yet, you are watching all kinds of videos on social media. Are you intelligent? No. Somebody who truly wants to be free, there are some things you will do, there are some things you won't do. I'm talking of fighting with what? Intelligence. If your challenge is a big challenge, get off social media. Uninstall all your social media apps. Oh, you don't know Facebook is a battlefield. You don't know. Get off social media. Because listen, there are things that you see, they are not necessarily harmful. But they desensitize you. And they help to gain roots in, in your addiction. They help you. There are some movies that are not bad, but they are suggestive. You are not watching porno. But once you have seen the brazier and the panty, something will happen to you. It's a foundation. We call it foundation. 
So if you know your problem, don't get there. Forward the movie. Tell somebody, forward it. Am I helping at all? So, you're going to go off social media for six months. You are not going to WhatsApp. I realize there are some evil people that have come on Facebook. Now they put uh, naked people direct on Facebook. I saw one other time. I just typed the name and I blocked the person never to see her again in my life. Because, listen, you must, you must protect your purity with oh, you don't know this thing. You must protect it. You must protect it. Stop watching movies. If you are battling with masturbation, you are trusting God to get you out. Stop watching movies. For the next three months, no movie. Because now you are reprogramming your thinking for divine strength. So now anything that can corrupt you, take it away. It is part of the prices you are paying to maintain that purity. It's not forever, but it's for a time. It will help you. It will help you. I know what I'm saying. Intelligent fight. Number five. Ask for God's grace daily. As you maintain daily spiritual disciplines. Ask for God's grace daily as you maintain spiritual disciplines. Listen to me carefully. You can never win the battle for purity without the grace of God. Yet, you can also never win without maintaining spiritual disciplines. Am I helping you? You can never say, I am absolutely relying on God's grace. That's wrong. And you can also say, I am absolutely relying on my strength. As you rely on God's grace, you put in the necessary spiritual disciplines to keep you walking in purity. Am I helping? So that is being responsible as a Christian. Grace is not passive. Grace is not passive. It is active. Paul said, um, I am what I am by the grace of God. He says, I thank my God, that is 1 Corinthians 15, 10, that I labored more than all the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God. That means grace of God does not make you a lazy man. The grace of God makes you a laboring man. If you want to identify grace in a man, check his labor, how he labors. That's when you know that this is true grace. Apostle Paul is an evidence. He taught grace, yet he lived grace. He labored more than all the apostles. So the more understanding of grace you have, the more laborious you are in your work with God. Quickly, number six. The fear of God must always dominate your heart. The fear of God must always dominate your heart. If you're a Christian, you don't fear God. I'm telling you, you will never fear sin. If you're a Christian and you don't fear God, you will never fear sin. Because if you fear God, you fear sin. Because sin is contrary to God because God is holy. So, I fear God so much. I told you the fear of God is not running away from God. The fear of God is extreme reverence and honor you give to God. That makes you love what he loves and hate what he hates. 
You honor and revere him so much that some things you can't do before him. Joseph had a free lapopo. Free lapopo. He will finish the lapopo and that's the end. Nobody will know. Yet, he said, how can I do such great wickedness against God? God was not there, but God was there. So he recognized God and reverenced God and out of that, he didn't. If you don't fear God, I'm telling you, you will do terrible things. You can only perfect holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Number 7. To say you cannot stop doing something bad is a lie the devil is telling you. To say you can't stop doing something is a lie the devil is telling you. I've heard people say, I've been doing this thing for a long time. I can't stop it. It's a lie. It's the first lie you are entertaining. I can't stop. Who said so? It's a stronghold the devil is selling to you to make you keep doing what you are doing. You can do what God says you can do. If God says flee, you can. If God says abstain, you can. If God says avoid, you can. So whatever God says you can, you can. For you to ever say you can't is a lie. That's the first lie the devil is using to hold you in captivity. Am I helping you? So, like we said in the, in the five, we are saying maintain spiritual disciplines. What are the disciplines? That's why I tell every believer, you must fast at least, at least twice in a week. At least. It's a spiritual discipline you're engaging in. If you realize your temptations are more, increase the fasting times from six to six. It will tame the flesh. Because the more satisfied and full you are, the more sin is pleasurable. If you're a believer and you don't pray, you're in trouble. Jesus says, pray that you enter not into temptation. So what is the antidote against temptation? Prayer. So you must be maintaining these disciplines whilst you are trusting the grace of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 11. Psalm 119 verse 9, the Bible said, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. So the key to purity is the word of God. Whilst you are maintaining the discipline, buy a book on purity. Buy a book on lust. Read all the scriptures that speaks about lust, like I've given you. And ask God for strength, yet you are maintaining the disciplines. So that God can find ease in flowing through you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Number eight. The key way of fighting lust is fleeing and abstaining. Second Timothy chapter 2, the verse 22. Timothy was told by Paul, flee also youthful lust. That means when you are youth, youth means between the age now, now youth now are 10 years old and above. Because they say, I know, youth, I'm going to youth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now at the age of two, they can handle tablet. So now youth is no longer 15, 18. Youth is from 10 years. What a 10-year-old girl knows, you, all your lifetime, you don't know. So youth is between the ages of 10 and 40 years. Or you think 40 years is... When you are 40, you are still a youth. He says, flee youthful last. That means between those ages, there are some lasts 
to accompany you. The Bible says you must flee it. Listen, every solution we need has been given. Sometimes the flea is not fleeing from that girl. Sometimes the flea is fleeing from that video. Fleeing from that music. Fleeing from that friend. There are some of you, what you are doing today, it's a friend that introduced you. It's a friend that introduced you. Adam for Bonnie. He introduced you. She introduced you. He didn't know how to do it. Hmm. Am I helping at all? Let's look at the final point that we are going to hold on for today. What purity consists of? Or purity must be in. When we are talking of purity, where must purity lie? Because people don't understand what it means. We are saying we should be clean. We are should be, to be undefiled. In what areas are we to be pure? If you don't understand these areas, you will not be, you will not be pure in your work with God. So the first area purity must be in is in words. The things you say must be pure. James chapter 3, the verse 6. The things you say must be pure. Guys, ladies, watch your words. You can defy yourself by your words. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That it what? Defiles the whole body. So this tongue can defy you. There are some words you'll be saying, they, they'll begin to defy you as a believer. So you must be pure in what? In your words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Look, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So your beauty must first be in what? Your words. Apologize to God when you use the wrong words you're not supposed to use as a Christian. It will happen. There are some times before you realize what can someone wants to Quickly, you apologize to God. That means you are being conscious about your relationship with him. There are some of you, by the time the day ends, you might not have done anything you will see as sin, but your words has defiled you so much. And many don't know that. Number two, your conversations. Your conversations must be pure. Ephesians chapter 5, the verse 3 to 4. He says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as you become saints. Next verse. He says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. The one jesting is expensive jokes. Which are not convenient, but rather giving of what? Thanks. So your conversations with others must be pure. You must observe purity in conversations. Number three, purity must be in your heart. You must be pure in heart. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the verse 22. Check what you keep in your heart and check what comes out of your heart. Don't keep a filthy heart. You can defile yourself as a Christian by the things you are storing up in your heart. Be careful of your heart. Look, he says, flee also youthful lust, but rather follow righteousness, faith, that word righteousness is right living, charity, 
peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So there are believers who call on God out of a filthy heart. So your heart must be what? Pure. Mark chapter 7, the verse 20. Mark 7, 20. Now watch this. He says, and he said, that which come out of the man, he says, that which come out of the man, that defileth him. Look, next verse. He says, from, for from within, out of what? The heart of men proceed evil thoughts. So watch your heart. Adulteries. It first begins from the heart. No man commits adultery except it begins from his heart. He determines it from his heart. He says fornications. It begins, all this thing did not begin by a mistake. He says, I don't know what happened. You knew it began from your heart. He says murders began from the heart. Next verse. He says theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Next verse. He says, all these what? Evil things come from where? Listen, these things don't come from outside into you. That's the mistake you have been doing. Hatred does not come from outside into you. It comes from inside and you bring it out. So listen, it is not that the lady in the short skirt that destroyed your life. You had corrupted your heart and the lady was the opportunity. You don't get this thing. That is why, listen, you cannot stop, at least in this church, we, we are going to preach for people to dress well. But the problem is that you cannot be in this church forever. You will go to certain places, people are not appropriately dressed. So as a man, if you have not dealt with this thing in your heart, and you see the lady says, why are these people doing that? The problem is not why are they, it's why are you? So the thing is first from you. They proceed from you. It says, and all these evil things come from where? Within and what? Defile the man. So you must be pure in your heart. When you realize that things and when you realize that there are things that are growing from your heart, kill it with the word of God. Number four, purity is in must be in relationships. When I talk of relationship, I'm talking of all kinds of relationships. Friends relationship, courtship relationships, church member relationships. It must be pure. You must maintain pure relationships. Pastor must re, 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 uh, maintain pure relationship with the ladies of the church. Pure. As pastor, church, pure. Church memberships must maintain what? Pure relationships. Oh, I'm teaching. I know, man. I know it's moving from the east. It's moving in this place. The spirit of the Lord is moving. In your relationships. Hey! You have to think some more. You see, I'm not doing The guy said, baby. What's the color of your pant? He says, the color of my pant is red. And is it being jeans drink? And one like that said, Jesus. Why did you ask that question? Bro, why? Don't, see, don't, don't ask for what you can't sponsor. Because at that time, you have opened a door and there's, the, <laughs> okay, let me call. 
You can't sponsor the thing. And you are going to stir it up. Pure. You must maintain purity in relationships. Oh, I'm teaching you there. There are some male ushers. When the females are falling, now, as I'm protecting you, let me give you an example. I saw, I went to one church and I saw the guy do that. Into why not be so unworried? Quick, come. My home home counts is here. My home home counts. See, 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 I know I saw him say. As if he's innocent, oh, and he's speaking in tongues. Hey, Osha! As if it's a mistake, oh, as if, hey, oh, Jesus. Parakata, parakata, hey, what's your sin? Parakata, and your tongues. That's some of the purity. Sit down. Purity in relationships. Listen, see, we guys we are aroused easily. So there are some conversation by the time you finish. The lady is free, but you are not free. But online back quite lucky. Sleep. I feel over sorry. Not Ghana map at the best. <laughs> Only the men understand Ghana map. Nobody understands in this place. <laughs> then you are you are just killing yourself. Listen, you know the thing. You can't do it now. Don't go and stare the thing, because once you stare the thing, you. Are... <laughs> Let's continue. Baby, can you send me a picture of your breast? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anapa, anapa, pa. When people are doing all night, it be so. Forward me your boobs. Now imagine 2 a.m. Before you paka, paka. Now there's a wow. Because we are sending people down, best sending a best for baby no. You are sending it, it enters into status, and I say it will enter into your pastor's platform. And I say what sending a best to LGCC, boom. Now no footage now say. Akwaba. Early morning breakfast, ma. Yeah, my milk. Mouth and milk. Yeah, that my number two, two, two. Now better so bam. I better so so one get lucky. Who come here delete for everyone? I come here delete for me. I was welcome to Jesus. I want to receive you as my Lord again. I want to receive you again. 
Jesus, come today. <laughs> Jesus, please, let your second coming be now. I can't stand this shame. A better baby, a better baby one day. I told of a young pastor, one prophet. He was sending to a girlfriend around 1.30. His mom would pa. When shaving so. Or send me a girl in a call status. Boom, say. My pastor friend doesn't sleep early. Etos was boom, on social, no screen capture, boom. But the guy, the time the guy deleted, it was too late. So imagine if highly respected people you have been praying for as a prophet your church members wow until who preaching now they don't watch your face they watch your hair <laughs> the pastor when I'm hanging now or like a like no so sir pastor laga laga oh no me for pastor laga but who name There was a pastor's wife that took a naked video of herself. Not knowing he was, he was sleeping with one of the pastor's sons, spiritual sons. This is a true story. And she mistakenly sent it to the church group. She committed suicide that same day. It's a big church. And she was cheating with the guy. She forgot and it entered the church group. She committed suicide. The same thing happened in one big church, one of the branches. He was a pastor. He was sending to one of the girls he was sleeping with as a pastor in the church. He sent his whole body naked. And it fell on the church platform. He also committed suicide. Listen, when God tells us to maintain purity, it's for our own good. He's protecting us. He's preserving us. Because the challenges that comes along with those things Hey, avoid them, avoid trouble for yourself. Avoid it. I'll continue next week. Okay, so we are going somewhere. So we are supposed to pray for 30 minutes, but we can't do that because of our lateness. So just thank God and ask Him not only to give you grace but that he should give you the spiritual it should help you to be disciplined to be cautious of purity in relationship purity in conversation purity in words purity in heart now as you are walking you be conscious of your heart you don't allow bitterness in your heart you don't allow any kind of lust to grow in your heart come on pray that prayer